welcome to the sermon podcast for Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago. We pray the message you are about to hear is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Hey, if you believe in the greatness of our God, can we give him a praise this morning? Man, I love worshiping with you guys on Sunday mornings. It's a joy. It's a privilege. This is my favorite day of the week, the day I get to hang out with my church family, and I have good news. Today, we are finishing up our Just Saying series. We've been talking about the power of our words. We've been talking about how our words have power. So much power that the Bible actually says death and life are in the power of our tongue. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. We've talked about it. Sticks and stones break your bones, but words will never hurt you. We've discussed how that's a lie because our words hold great power. Something so important must be controlled. That's why James says the tongue might be a small member, but it boasts of many great things. And in this series, we've talked about a lot of different types of words, single words that hold great power in our lives. We've talked about what we called the F word. That was forgiveness. We talked about what we called the four-letter word. That was love. We've talked about the word that's easier said than done, and that's trust. But today we're going to finish this series up by talking about another one of these importantly powerful words. We're calling it the word that everybody says, but few people do. Pray. Pray. Today we're talking about prayer, but before we talk about prayer, we need to discuss its enemy, comfort. Comfort is the enemy of prayer. Because those who are comfortable often feel no need for the great comforter. A few years ago, Karen and I got this incredibly comfortable couch. The kind of couch that when you sit in it, you do not come out of it because you get trapped in its comfort. If you do decide for some reason that you need to get up to get a drink or use the restroom or just survive beyond the couch, you have to do one of these numbers to kind of get up out of it. The kind of motion that makes you feel old every single time you do it. The kind of motion that makes you never want to do it again. And I'm serious, this couch is so incredibly comfortable. Once you sit in it, you can't leave it. In fact, you can't leave it, the couch leaves you. You don't leave the couch, the couch leaves you. It's so comfortable that it leaves you in a state of small depression. Because all you do once you leave it is you want to go back to it. How many of you have a couch or a chair like that? Your chair, your couch that you just absolutely find incredibly comfortable. You know, not only is my couch comfortable, it's also magical. Oh yeah, take that. I got a magical couch because something incredible happens every single time I sit in it. As soon as my bottom hits that layer of incredible comfort, as soon as I put some pillows around me to loft my arms up as soon as I grab that fuzzy, incredible blanket and get nice and warm and cozy. The minute it happens, Kara will call from me from another room. Every single time without fail, she'll call to me and either need me to get up from where I am and come to where she is so that I can bring her a water or a food or a burp rag or just to watch some video that she found on TikTok. It's almost like she senses the power of the couch and she wants to call me out of my comfort zone. I can almost bank on it. If I get comfortable, she's going to call me to leave my comfort zone. And I gotta be honest, it's difficult to leave my comfort zone. It's difficult to change what I'm doing when I'm comfortable. You know, could it be 
that the reason that the Spirit of God isn't moving among us and among our churches and in our country and in our world like we want him to is because we're too comfortable to really need the comforter. Could it be that life's just a little bit too cozy to need the Savior? You know, my passion is preaching God's word. I love to do what I'm doing right now. It's something that I believe that God has gifted in me. And I I count it a privilege and an honor to stand before you every single week and preach God's word. I'm passionate about it. I study preaching methods. I read preaching books. I listen to preaching podcasts. I follow other pastors and communicators on Instagram and Facebook. I just soak all that knowledge in because I want to own my skill. I want to be a better communicator for the gospel of Christ. But do you know what I've noticed about my own life that absolutely terrifies me? The more comfortable that I am about my sermon, sometimes the less I pray over it. That terrifies me. And if I'm not comfortable, the more, if I'm not careful, the more comfortable I become in my skill, the less dependent I become upon my Savior. And Christian, before you start judging me from your seats, understandably so, could it be that you have the same habit? Like, do you pray for your job the same way now as when you didn't have one? Do you pray for your family now that they're healthy the same way that you did when they were sick? Do you pray for your church the same way that you communicate to others that you do? Because sometimes I think that we, the church, the Christians, are a little bit too comfortable for the moving of God. In Luke 5, we find one of the most comfortable stories in all of the Bible. We pick up on this comfortable story in verse 1 of Luke 5, where the Bible says this. On one occasion... While the crowd was pressing on Jesus to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesineret. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them. They were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to pull out a little bit from the land, and he sat down. He taught the people from the boat. Now I'm going to recap that story so that you can picture it in your eye. Jesus is teaching A huge crowd has gathered together, so vast, trying to hear what he has to say, that he actually gets pressed upon the water's edge of the lake. He's preaching God's word to them, and behind him he notices two empty boats. He makes his way towards the boats, and the fishermen were washing their nets. They'd been out all day fishing. They called it a day. They hadn't had much luck. I don't know if you're a fisherman. If you are, I hear there's lucky days and there's not lucky days. This was one of those days they would rather forget. They'd called it a day because they hadn't had much luck, and now they were finished. Now they got to go home. They got to go home to their own comfortable couch, wherever it was that they popped their feet up on, and they got to call it a day. And many of you know that's the best part of the workday, the day that you get to pack it up, And you get to go home, and you get to be comfortable for the rest of the night. Well, Jesus asked them to get back into their boats, to cast off a little bit from the shore, so that he could teach this vast crowd of people from the boat, so that they could hear him and see him. They graciously say yes. Here's what happens next in verse 4 of Luke 5. The Bible says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep 
let down your nets for a catch. Wait, wait, wait. What? Jesus just said, launch out into the deep and put down your nets into the deep because we're going to go fishing again. I can almost hear it in their minds as they're thinking, wait a second, Jesus, we've been fishing all day. Like I got a little bit of a sunburn. I'm a little thirsty. I'm really hungry. My feet are killing me. I'm tired. I'm done. The fish just aren't biting today. Jesus, it's time to go home because I just got comfortable. You know, why is it that when God wants to work, we decide that's time to get comfortable? Our church starts to grow, so we stop inviting. Comfortable. Our finances start to recover from a down year, so we stop giving. Comfortable. Our our family survived COVID, and so now we just kind of stop praying for health. Comfortable. I think there's many times that we miss out on the moving of God because we're far too comfortable with where we are. And here Jesus is, just like he's calling out to these future disciples saying, launch out into the deep, let down your nets because I got a miracle in the working, but we, we have far more convenient plans. We've got more comfortable ideas of how we want to spend our days. Jesus tells these men to launch out, to let down their nets. Verse five gives us Simon's response. Simon answers, master, We've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. But at your word, we'll let down the nets. KJV says, net. At your word, we'll let down a net. I sense a little bit of sarcasm in the voice of Simon Peter. Maybe I sense it because that's how I would be in this moment. Oh, Jesus. Like, hey, we just met. And I know you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I know you're telling me to go back out into the deep, even though we've been out there all day fishing in all the good spots. And even though we haven't caught anything, since you know best, Master, we'll launch out into the deep. We'll let down some nets, because you said to let down some nets. They do that. Quickly, their comfort turns to chaos. Check it out in verse 6. When they've done this, They enclosed a large number of fish, so many that their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come over and help. And when they came, they filled both boats up with fish. So many fish that these boats start to sink. They bring in so many fish that their nets are breaking. They fill their boats so high that their boats start to sink. That's not so comfortable anymore. Like, I don't want to be in that situation. Where we've launched out into the deep, brought in so many fish that now our equipment's breaking, brought in so many fish that now our boats were sinking and our lives were in danger. That's scary. That's unknown. That's not my couch at home. And in this moment of chaos, I want you to see the very first thing Simon Peter does. Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, chaos had driven him to his comforter. Struggle had pushed him to his Savior. 
destruction had brought him to the feet of his deliverer. And maybe it's time that we, Christian, start asking God for a little bit of chaos. Maybe it's time we start asking God to shake things up in our lives a little bit, to rock the boat, to launch us out in the deep into the uncomfortable because coming to the end of ourself means coming to the feet of Jesus in prayer. And I think all of us need a little bit more Jesus in our lives. All of us need a little bit more of the moving of God in our lives. Simon begins to speak to Jesus. He begins to pray out to Jesus. And in his prayer, his communication, his talking with Jesus, it reveals three very incredible truths. The first thing that we recognize is that talking to God reveals his purity. Talking to God consistently reveals his purity. Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Simon Peter opens up his talk with God by saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, and clearly you're not, because clearly you're God. Simon Peter immediately recognized the holiness of his God. Maybe you're here today, and you remember flip phones. Who owned a flip phone? Who still owns a flip phone? Nice, couple of us, cool. In our young 40s, right? Do you remember when calling people after 9 p.m. was free? So you had to wait. The teenagers are looking at me like, what? Yeah, where if you want to talk to your girlfriend or your friend or whatever on the phone, you had to wait till after 9 o'clock. Because otherwise you had to pay. And you only had a certain amount of minutes. And if you talk during the day, you're going to lose those minutes. But if you wait till 9 p.m., you can call. I remember so many times I was getting in trouble because I was calling Kara on the phone before 9 o'clock. My mom and dad would sit me down. They'd say, you got to wait till after 9. Because if you call before 9, you're going to have a bill that you can't pay. You have no business talking to anybody before 9 p.m. Sometimes I feel like the devil does the same thing to us when it comes to prayer. He comes to God and he comes to us and says, hey, you have no business talking to God. You have no right to talk to God because you're a sinner. And he's perfect. And you know what? When you really think about it, he's kind of right. Because on our own, we have no business talking to this perfect God. On our own, we have no right to come to God at all because he's perfect. He's pure. He's holy. We're not. But I have good news. We're not on our own. 1 Timothy 2 says there's one God. And there's one mediator between God and men. This is the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Did you catch some of that verbiage? Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, gives his life for all of the world. And because of that incredible gift, if we accept his incredible salvation, we can now talk directly to the Father. Yeah. Yeah, our God is perfect and holy. He is without sin. But when we fall at the feet of Jesus, we gain ear with our Heavenly Father. He listens to us because we have a Christ who is interceding and mediating on our behalf. And when we pray, there are times when we stand before a holy God. 
can't do anything but recognize how pure he is and how impure we are. Maybe we need a little bit of chaos because we need to remember exactly how holy our God is. Maybe we need to come to the feet of the Father because there's something in our life that shouldn't be there and prayer is going to reveal it to us. I'm a sinful man, God. God, you have no business talking to me. I have no business talking to you. Jesus says, come to the Father. Talking to God reveals his purity. Talking to God, secondly, reveals his power. I'm going to ask Mark to come up and play. Verse 8 says this. When Simon Peter sees everything that happens, he falls down at the feet of Jesus, the knees of Jesus. He says, depart from me. I'm sinful, O Lord. Look at this next verse. Because he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. Peter falls down at the feet of Jesus. He recognizes the purity of his God. Then he looks around him at all of the fish that they take in and the miracle that he just witnessed with his own eyes. He recognizes the power of his God. You know, prayer allows us to recognize God's power. And some of us need to get a little bit uncomfortable. We need to be called out of our comfort zone and start to pray because when we pray, we start to recognize the power of God. This is the God who created the universe in six days. This is the God that rescued his people out of bondage in an incredible way. This is the God who split the Red Sea wide open so that his people could walk across on dry land. This is the God who flooded the earth. This is the God who spoke through a donkey. This is the God who caused the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down at the sound of his voice. This is the God who held the sun still for 24 hours. This is the God who brought down a giant with a boy. This is the God that provided himself a lamb instead of Isaac. This is the God that protected three Hebrew boys in the flames. This was the God that shut the mouths of lions to protect his own child named Daniel. This was the God who walked on the sea. This was the God who, who uh, spoke and caused the, the sea to calm. This was the God who healed the sick, who healed the lame, who fed thousands with a single lunch. This is the God who rose again from the dead and conquered grave. This is the God who turned the water into wine. This is the God who established his church. This is the God who never fails. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And I believe that prayer reminds us of his power. So pray. Church, I'm begging you to pray. Pray bigger than you've ever prayed. Pray more than you've ever prayed. Pray longer than you've ever prayed. Pray more consistent than you've ever prayed. Ask God to do something so big that if he does it, everybody will know that he is God and he is powerful. I don't think we're praying big enough. I don't think we're praying seriously enough. And I believe that because I haven't seen miracles like that in my lifetime. I've seen really great things, but I've never seen God split a sea so that I could walk through it. 
we not serve the same God of the Bible today? Is not our God capable of the same omnipotent power that we read about and hear about? Why do we set a limit on what God can do? Why are our expectations so low? Why can't we pray for God to do something bigger than he's ever done before? Why can't we pray for God to do something like no one's ever seen before? Church, I'll be very frank. I don't think we're doing a very good job of praying. I don't think we're taking it seriously enough. And I think that God's wanting to give us a chance to kind of correct that in the days ahead. So starting next week, next Sunday, 9.30, 30 minutes before church. Church starts at 10. Some of you don't know that because you're like 15 minutes late. But church starts at 10, 9.30, 30 minutes before. I, I want to ask you to be here. And I want to ask you to pray with us. Not just listen to a prayer, but actually pray. Pray for God to reveal his power. Pray for God to do something great in this place, in your life, in my life, in the life of our friends and our family. I want to see God do something so big that when people hear about it, see it, there will be no doubt that he is God. He's powerful. Evangelist D.L. Moody said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. So let's kneel and pray. Prayer reveals his purity. Prayer reveals his power. Last thing we're done, prayer talking to God reveals his plan. Look at verse 10. Jesus says to Simon Peter, don't be afraid because from now on, I know you've been catching fish, but now you're going to catch men. When he brought them to the boats to land, those men left everything and they followed Jesus. Peter falls at the feet of Jesus. He recognizes his purity, recognizes his power, and then God reveals his plan. He says, I know you've devoted your whole life to fishing. Now you're going to devote your life to following me. Not just fishing for fish, but fishing for men. Not just fishing, but finishing the work that I've started in you. That's his plan. You know, I believe that talking to God reveals his plan for our lives. It reminds us of our purpose. It makes all these petty things that don't really matter that much kind of fall away. It reminds us why we're here in the first place, to follow him so that all men can come to him and know him just like we do. It puts us in a proper position to follow God. You know, through prayer, God has revealed a lot of my purpose for my life, especially over the last, like, 18 months. The more direction I get, I feel like the more comfortable I get. And that scares me. Because I don't want to be comfortable. We've grown and we've done a good job this year, but I don't want to get comfortable with where we are. We've seen God move and stir and do great things in this place, but I don't want to be comfortable with that. To see more. I want to be dependent upon the Spirit of God. So, church, I have a question for you. How comfortable are you? How much do you really need God? For years, people suspected that there was something going on at the exclusive Greenbrier Inn in West Virginia. 
Not really many people knew exactly what was going on. It was during the Eisenhower administration. It was while Greenbrier was constructing a new wing. And during that time, the U.S. government was secretly building a bunker underneath of the Greenbrier that was going to be used for the House of Representatives and Senate in case there was a national emergency and they needed to be protected. Now, different aspects of the bunker were hidden in plain sight. And the amenities of the resort were incredible. The bunker included a clinic. It had a media production room. It had wonderful living quarters for every resident. It had uh, locations and rooms for congressmen to conduct the nation's business. The staff had to be very careful. They had to make sure no one found out. They also had to make sure they had to be ready just in case this national emergency came to be. A few years ago, that bunker was decommissioned after the press story leaked that it was being built. It was existent. They actually had to close it down because it was no longer secret. Now it's a tourist attraction. You can literally walk through this bunker, this place that was created to protect our nation's leaders from anything that was going on in our world. That massive, incredible, state-of-the-art facility was never used. It was an unused refuge. Bible says that our God is a refuge. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they're safe. And we all have access to God because of Christ. We all have access to this power. Few of us experience it. Just like the Greenbrier, we're an unused refuge. Rarely going to God. Christian, I can't beg you enough. Don't be too comfortable. Unleash that powerful word into your life. See what God does. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life, we would love to pray for you. Or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person, please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website, ashburnbaptist.com slash Chicago.